welcome to the second episode of the Hashish Inn. I am your host, Shiragam Amir. Today, I'm really excited to have actually two special guests, Brandon and Amanda from the Garden of Greece in Southern Oregon. Brandon, Amanda, welcome. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having us. If you want to follow Brandon, his handle on Instagram is at Kushkirk and Amanda's is at Amanda Reed W. They both have really cool feeds. Amanda has really cool pictures. So if you want to keep up with their farm, you should definitely give them a follow. Before we get to talking, I just kind of wanted to say that my heart goes out to all the people that are dealing with the really crazy wildfires in California. And also that I'm just grateful for all the people out there that are willing to give people that are in need a hand. So I know last year you guys dealt a little bit with some of that down here in Southern Oregon. Did that affect the farm at all or? It did. It kind of did in um, a lot of ways, actually. Yeah. Not like burning it, but we had we had a lot of ups and downs from it, actually. A positive maybe, maybe was, we'll talk about that one. The It got our plants to like throw into flower a little sooner, which is good. I like that because then we can get down a little quicker and um, away from the seasons a little, you know, the harsher end of the season. So that was good. But uh, it definitely put a damper on like putting ash on the plants and uh, not keeping our plants as clean like that. And I think it actually allowed some of the predatory mites to fail. As I was talking to Biotactics about it, we came across that they breathe through their like feet and um, hands and such when they, when, they, when they crawl. So they were getting clogged up with ash. And we had a tough time with that. So we had to apply them more. And it was like some of the plants didn't even like it. So we ended up cutting those out and... Yeah, so it definitely did some number on that, you know, as like as the cannabis goes. Other plants it didn't seem to mind. It also affected the air quality terribly, you know. They were oh, really, yeah. they were really close to us, so it was hard to work outside all day as a farmer and stay protected and stay, you know, like uh, just healthy. We were always trying to drink mullein tea and nettles and stuff to try to keep on top of it, really, because it was really harsh in that way, but. Yeah, that's interesting that it has like so many different effects, you know, not only on on plants, but on people, animals and just on on the environment in general. And kind of going back to a little bit of what you said, just so people out there have a better idea when you say that they threw them early into flower because of the fires. Is that because the light in the day got, I guess, a different quality of light? Yeah, it totally just blocks it out. and. It's kind of like we don't have trees here, so we have it till the very end of the day. And you you can kind of notice, like, you know, just the plants riding a veg stayed a little bit longer. But this year they triggered a little earlier, which was, yeah, it was kind of noticeable. And it happened, like, pretty quick. And there's more CO2 in the air when the trees burn. And that's carbon dioxide. And that carbon dioxide would speed up any growth process of any plant. So that's also pretty cool, too. Notice that. Oh, and so, um, was there any way, I guess, to deal with the ash, or is that just something you got to ride with? And- hose it off. Yeah, that's the only thing, yeah. Just, like, more hours of hosing off, you know, all the plants. It was just, like, yeah, some days we didn't get to it quick enough, and that's when it was, like, you know, we were seeing these problems. and Didn't really think about doing that was the savior, though. That was definitely, like, yeah, rinsing it off was huge. So, wish I did it more, actually. Pretty much. Well, cool. I mean, the good thing is that overall, the farm was 
safe. Yeah, you know. So clean from any fires. No, like fire was next to it, next to it. So there's nothing like burned. You know, everything was our. We had it about ten miles plus fifteen miles from us. So it was that close where I saw it at night burning the hills. Like that was pretty crazy. That's for sure. Yeah. So the people that are in California right now seeing that, I can only imagine. And it's not a fun sight to see. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, definitely. Even if you just see pictures of like the devastation, <laughs> yeah. um, destruction, and you know, lives taken, whether it's human or, or not. We've had a fire out here about every year. I mean, the other year it was right here at Ray's, our supermarket, pretty much uh, a couple acres behind it caught on fire, burned down one of the first houses in our in our town here, and then there was. Reeves Creek fire, which is even closer to me, and it burned several acres as well. Don't even know how they started. I think it might have been from a lightning strike as well. And that thing was close. I woke up from a nap one day and saw that thing burn, and I was like, oh, that's not cool. Yeah, so I was a little well. too close. Uh, not for, yeah, comfort, not, yeah. yeah, for comfort. I had to get uncomfortable. Now, I, I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about like the name of your farm, the Garden of Greece. You know, I, yeah. From everything that I've ever seen come out of the farm, uh, it's most appropriate. But I think it's a it's a great name. I just was wondering if there's like a little backstory to it or, or who chose that. Really? Yeah, I chose it. It was just like really searching for all the hash plants, you know, like I was picking up the hash plant technique and everything. Like some plants are great for hash and some are not. So that's when it was like greasy hash was also the hash that I was aiming for. It's like the chalky hash is not really the hash that kind of melts well. Might taste good, might smell good, but it doesn't really melt well. And uh, then there's only one way to smoke it. So I kind of like the greasy one so you could dab it and get like that full like mouth saturated flavor and then go with like any other way to smoke it just as easy too. Okay. Yeah, so it was a grease. It's just like grease. That was like one yeah. of the first terms for full melt too. Back in the day, it was, it was grease because everyone threw it in their pocket ran around for an hour or two days or whatever, and then whipped it out and took pictures, and it was just like... That pocket yeah, cure. Yeah, ice oil. And then that was the other name. It was all that stuff, you know? It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny. It has so many names, you know? Just they're never-ending nowadays. Uh, ice wax. Right. But, yeah, in the end, it's just... It's all good water hash, I guess. Simply. When it, when Simply it bubble hash. It. I feel like that's the OG name, and the OG name has a stay, you know? Yeah. Just bubble hash. Bubble Temple hash. balls are cool, like as to seeing it in the form, but it's just like another name for the form. Right. Almost like you can call it Temple Square, you know, <laughs> President Square. And I mean, that's just, I mean, really the only difference, I guess, is, you know, traditionally it was being pressed as to where now most people, I think, are keep it from being pressed up until the last moment to when it's going to be pretty much used. They'll finger press it or, or something of the sort. Yeah. If it's for good sure. enough. I was just saying, it's hard as hell to get it out of this little gram jar <laughs> and have it any other way, but have it just like gooey, you know? You can't like press it or th- see it like kind of thin. But yeah. So, you know, on your Instagram, I've, I've kind of kept up with the, the season that you guys had this year. And I know you were working on kind of enhancing some of your land and, or the soil, I guess is a better word for that. And, you were working mostly outdoors with a little greenhouse. You know, I'm curious if you can tell us a little bit about some of the genetics you've been running because it looks like you've had some pretty, you know, solid breeders out there. Um, yeah. And some of the ones that you guys both are excited about seeing in their final in their final form. 
Yeah, wow. There's a lot. Oh, man. Where do we start? Let's just start in like the corner of the garden. I'm trying to map my mind around it. Major shout out to Joey, Humboldt Local, the one and only, the one that started it all, I feel like, for a lot of people. Gave me some seeds last year for inspiring the hell out of him and turning his garden regenerative and like simple and and dem pure as well and all that. So big shout out to him. He gave me some Tahoe Diamond, African Orange. We ran the, oh no, it does, excuse me, go back, Tahoe Diamond F2s. He also gave me the African Orange Cross, but we ran those in the greenhouse. So this was just the outdoor. I'm just naming off the the that one. Uh, we also had a field trip from Bodie. That was good. We had Sis Skunk from Duke Diamond. Shout out to him and Duke Skunk. All them. Skunk Soldier. Everyone. I mean, the whole crew. That's like whole new seeds that we tried out this year. Those were really cool. What, uh, what Anton was a original dankster. We had one of his clones, uh Cookies of Cream Platinum Yeti. That was one of the last ones to go down. We had that one. We had some TKM 10s from Coastal Seeds. Shout out to him. And who else? The next was Honey Bucket from Hermetic Genetics. Shout out to that one. That was awesome. That thing stanks. The next one was Team um, Humble Seed Organization. That was uh, Team HSO. We got uh, Bubba's Gift, Fire. And then we got a bunch of Bodhi more, like Triple Goddess. We ran a whole bunch of Triple Goddess. And then we had some um, brandy wines from Dungeon's Vault. Also had some, man, what else was it? Timmy's losing me for a second. We and had some Long Valley Royal Kush. Oh, uh, some Long Valley Royals. We did a, a few a seed project of that. Had a few females, a couple males. That's going to be cool. Can't wait to see those again. Ooh, culato, a cookie gelato. That's nice. That's gonna that one went pretty late too. That one's really exotic. I like that one. It's not really a hash plant, but man, is it's like tropical, good smoke. That's the majority of them, I'd say, for outdoors. You know, and a couple we had like two of each, you know, sometimes phenos, you know. Yeah, and then our greenhouse. Man, the greenhouse had a bunch of our genetics that we cross a lot with pie breath. We crossed that peach wreck. And um, an L.A. Confidential with Pie Breath. Both of those came out really good. The hash you already been smoking on. that shit. Yeah, I got oh, to man. try a little bit of that. And I mean, it, it's pretty phenomenal. <laughs> that, um, that was a cool one. It's, you know, it's a project that we just like, it was really first time. And he like, I really knocked up some random pollen onto the Pie Breath clone that I have. So just to kind of see, even get down to the melt stage, you know, from pollen over a year ago. It's pretty fun. Cool. That's new for me. I haven't really done that. You know, the garden in Greece, when it first got started, was just simply for hash plants, you know. But now it seems like i got to breed my own to make it more climatized, better genetics, you know, easier growing. So was this, I guess, the first time that pretty much what everybody calls single source, it, it doesn't really get much more single source than Definitely what not. I mean, like. unless I didn't have Amanda here, which is a blessing to have. I can't say that's not single sourced, but... Still all coming from the same you know, place. as yeah, we're learning every day, so it's like you know, we can't still, still like you know, no one's perfect. I'd say single source, though, is you know, it's kind of out the window. I still say it, but wouldn't have done it without my pops, so you know, couldn't have been done without him, couldn't have done it without mom, couldn't have done it without her, you know, couldn't have done it without a lot of people. It goes way back, so right, I'd say. 
but I guess there's no other generation of growers in my family. So yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I think new. single source can definitely mean like even just a, a group of people that are kind of all working towards the same goal, and that for sure seems like what's going on with you guys, you know, here. Yeah, I mean, we're learning so much all the time, like with just from. I don't know, fungus and all this other stuff. It's just like there's a never ending learning like circle of like what what do you want to learn? I mean, it just it, it'll never end. And everything kind of connects to each other, so it all leads back into itself. But I mean, man, it's just there's too much. Yeah. It's, it, I'm just trying to I'm thinking about it now. It's like crazy. Getting and, baked. Here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda, I kinda wanted to ask you a little bit about some of the practices that you guys have here at the farm, you know, in regards to how you guys are growing, how you're treating the soil, because I feel like your garden is kind of along the lines of some of the other people that I kind of follow and really in a way admire how they're doing things, like the guys from Green Source Gardens that are also here from Oregon and um, people like Bio, BioVortex and I'm forgetting the name of Moongate, oh, Josh yeah, and Sandra yeah, from Gazers. Also from, I think they're from Northern California. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so I feel like this kind of group of farms, uh, and I'm sure there's many other farms out there that are doing this, but they're kind of going towards this idea of, of being good to the land instead of just taking. Uh, yeah. And so I, if you could speak to that. Definitely. I think it all comes from. Carbon sequestration. I think that's like a huge inspiration and why we're all doing this is because of that and creating biodynamic soils so that we can all have better medicine. And by medicine, I mean everything that you ingest, you know, it's not just what you smoke, but it's everything. And that all comes from the soil, which is definitely yeah, an important key. And same with your animals. I think that that plays a huge role in what we're trying to do is incorporating them in our daily lives by yeah using their eggshells in our garden and we eat the eggs every day and we have the alpacas and they're a huge part of our lives too and ever since we got them obviously our compost game has completely changed like we were buying it from somebody that we the alpaca manure before and so we trusted him and we knew him and it was awesome being able to see um, how he treated them and everything. But having them on the land and having them, yeah, literally going to the restroom right next to the garden beds is pretty amazing. I don't think it gets much better than that. But yeah, yeah I think it all just plays a huge part together. It's just like one big wheel and we're all a spoke and like you can't really do it without each piece. It doesn't turn right, you know? Nice. Yeah, and, and it seems that you guys are always like looking to to learn more and kind yeah. of change and adapt and, and do whatever you need to do to, to improve, you know? So I think that's pretty yeah. cool. The land changes and the weather, no two years are the same. So you definitely have to adapt to just what's coming at you. And it's so dry here, a huge portion of the year. And that's why hugoculture was so important for the land. Yeah. Holding all that moisture in, you really, like, we need yeah. to create Making that our bank own compost. of water. You know, because without it, you we would constantly be pulling from the earth. And that's the exact opposite of what we're trying to do. So and lots of mulching. You can't say it enough, but mulching is probably the most important thing that you can do. You know, it keeps that top layer of your soil cool, which 
is what breeds that fungus, you know, and all that life. Yeah. And so have you found, you know, by improving the soil or, or I guess making it kind of strong again, that the plants are reacting to it in a positive way? Or, like, what are some of the benefits that you 100%. guys are It didn't even trouble the plants. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. We don't, it barely trouble the plants. Like, some some plants we did, but one plant, like, it's got to be, like, you know, 10 feet tall and, like, 10 feet wide. And we throw one layer on it. It's one on the top, one on the sides. That's it. So when it comes down to taking it down, it's just snip the two, you know, the corners of it where the zip ties were. And boom, it comes down. We didn't even have to, like, get trellis in the way. No little trellis pieces cut into the garden getting lost it's like you know probably could have done without it on most of the plants to be honest because we have such good wind you know so it keeps them strong and it's all this worm poop and it's you know suppressing all this carbon and stuff but all these worms eat it like crazy and now we're like breeding crazy amount of worms like i mean if we had a count of the worms it's probably like a stupid number of worms so as above so below you know if you have that really strong root system super tapped into the earth then your plant is going to be that strong above and is going to be able to withstand the conditions and yeah i think watering it overhead more often people are scared to do that but that's really great yeah plant, that was good you know and yeah it made the trellising that was probably the biggest thing for us this year was and how this, minimal we went this and, year we also saw i saw better bud to leaf ratio like i'm really picky on like where the like how these flowers come out i know the way that like they'll smoke and taste if they have too much nitrogen in them and that was like main concern, you know, always pretty much for me every year is just like, what are these buds going to taste like? And I'll get them, you know, and this year coming down to like not fertilizing nearly as heavy as I have in the past with like poops or compost or whatever. And like all this shit, it's like all the ferment. We didn't way less of that this year. And the plants came out better, like denser, better bud to leaf ratio. So I was really surprised on that. Really stoked to see that. And then not have branches like fall over and break and stuff and like oh everything was just like on point potassiums were high phosphoruses were high and nitrogen was just where it needed to be i was really stoked so as a farmer like i pick up yeah so it sounds like the plants were super healthy yeah just in general so they're doing it they're doing it you know that's cool in a way obviously you guys are conserving and then at the same time um you know the plants are loving it so yeah it seems like a win-win and uh, how do you feel like it affects, for example, the the chemistry that's going on inside the, the trichome heads when it comes specifically to the cannabis plant and, and how that live soil uh, contributes to maybe creating a more complex chemistry? You know, throw that in with, with the sunlight. I'm sure it's doing some interesting things. Yeah. You want to say what you feel? Go for it. Oh, no, I was just going to say the sun has its benefits and it doesn't in a sense is what I was actually going to say is it's super harsh here. We in this specific like piece of land, we get so (coughs) many hours of sun every day and our plants really don't get a break. So in a sense, when it comes to the resin, it's almost too much. So it's like a really tricky balance. Between, you know, not letting them go too long and letting the heads get too brown. And yeah, it's a just a fine, um, it's a beautiful art, but it, that's why you should always be over your plants every single day. Because that's the only way you're going to know that perfectly right moment. I was going to say was their 
coming from where you were saying it was that living soil and how the turps and the sun and everything matches up though so perfect. I mean, the sun is strong as hell. So we sometimes like try to, you know, the plastic, which, you know, judging on the ones in the greenhouse, like greenhouse plastic just blocks out a little bit of those rays, cools it down a little bit. And it seems not to stretch out the resin as much and brown it out, like she was saying, which is not brown, amber, you know, darkens. Which isn't a bad thing. No, it's beautiful. It's yeah, it's it just, it, you know, it comes and goes with, with waves of who likes it and who doesn't and and who appreciates it and whatnot. But, but yeah, so like we're seeing so many different results like that. I mean, but the flavors and, 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 oh, yeah. and the worm poop just, the flavors. yeah, the worm poop bringing out these oh, true no. flavors. I mean, this is what earth is. Earth is worm poop. Like, I mean, that's what it all comes down to this like earth dank soil. So worm poop and it's just the sun and man, I think it's like it, it allows it to be this like true full spectrum of it's like, true expression of the plant because i mean even like growing outdoors with some of the miracle growth shit you know like some of that stuff i mean you just get this flat nasty bland taste you know so you can't really like tell it just totally takes away the taste like a tomato you know that's why the tomatoes are super sweet and like everything's super sweet here i think it's just the worm poop so yeah that or not so talking a little bit about the breeding that you've been doing um i guess can you, well, you had mentioned some, a few of the projects that you kind of been working on. and Right, the pie breath crosses. Yeah. And my question for you is, you know, as a hash aficionado, how much uh, of a role does it play that the particular plant or, or pheno that you're looking at uh, hash well for you to, you know, decide to kind of continue working with, with that line? Yeah, I think it matters a big deal. Noticing it kind of bring a lot of flavor into the the next round. I think like that's what the females do a lot. I think a lot of the time. And then the, like the boy is huge. Like I think it's even bigger. So it brings a lot of the expression of like how it's going to grow. Okay. And it can definitely uh well maybe more of the phenos, you know, like just out of them. You still find some female looking ones, but the, the, I noticed that and that was like pretty cool to, um, to see and kind of find out for the first time. So we only done it a few times and probably got another, you know, 60 new strains this year, just from a few males that I've chosen from the Long Valley Royal and a few other ones. So we're going to take those and like, I, I've gift them to people, you know, cause I can't grow them all. So we're going to see some cool stuff, I hope, and hopefully get as much feedback as we can. And do stuff like that, but yeah, I think it's the it's the it's the girl that brings over a lot of that first like initial like yeah hash and flavor and like what you kind of want to see timeline of like flower time, but then that boy brings a lot of the how it grows and like structure on like what it looks like on the like flower and stuff too. It's pretty cool, but um, yeah, I think that's that's where I'm at with that. Cool. I need a lighter. So from the stuff that you guys grew this year, which you mentioned earlier, if you had to pick a couple of strains that you're excited to work with, specifically in making uh, bubble hash, do you have any in mind? You got something on your mind? The bubble hash. Like what, <laughs> what's your favorite bubble hash? Out of what you guys grew this year, this I was just year. saying, like, is there a couple strains that... I know we haven't processed them all. You yet, guys are, like, like, excited about maybe running 
in making bubble hash? We had a lot of the greenhouse. A, a lot of the greenhouse is like some yeah. of the specialty ones. Um, but yeah. I was gonna say those pie breath crosses. I'm really excited about the ones. That There's peach rick. Yeah, we I was gonna we say we haven't talked but, about that one. We haven't really. That one's um, great experienced that one yet but there's one particular pheno that was extremely just very peachy like super sweet peach rings peach blossom like as well it's super good so this is the og pie breath cross with peach wreck yeah with peach wreck okay yeah which is i don't know genetics just some pollen that i bought from some guy <laughs> right <laughs> yeah for real <laughs> just some pollen slanger and that, I was going to mention that when it comes to breeding, we're total amateurs. We have definitely not done any of like the back work the way that we appreciate yeah. other people's breeding projects. And that's why we still totally support, buy, we buy seeds from tons of breeders. Obviously, a lot of our garden wasn't even our own genetics. Right. But we just like to play around with it because it's super important to save seed and learn about pollination and learn about taking right. care of boys because it seems like when I first got it into growing, that was like something you didn't do. And so it's cool for us to be able to play around <coughs> with that. And also just experimenting with climatizing to this area. Cause like I said, the sun is so harsh here. So it's been amazing trying to find strains that are more resilient to what we've got going on and sharing the pollen as well. Met some really cool people and shared pollen this year. Yeah. Spread, spread so seed spreading everywhere. the love is always really awesome too for people that can't grow boys, you know, or yeah. um, are do have that fear around it. It was cool to be able to share that. It's pretty good to, I mean, be able to collaborate with other people and yeah, uh, yeah, share stuff. That I you think other cool. females that I didn't have that I would have loved to have, but that were grown well right down the road. Totally knocked them up, and then gave some pollen to another friend and two other dudes. I mean, like, yeah, so there was some. Awesome crosses. I mean, a total of how many crosses I created this year, probably around a good 100 and 110, you know, like new strains that could come out to like however many different phenos, you know. Yeah. That's it's a lot. lot. It's an endless. Sounds like endless a lot. It is. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, when it comes to the hash, probably the inputting pop, I'm excited oh, about. Oh, yeah. When it, oh, that question. Okay, um, that question. Yeah, I was trying to think. Cause it, that was a hard question for me. And so I was trying to think. Oh, they all have their the own. The pudding pop, you said? Yeah, I'm excited about that one. And then we had some really good Cherry Star from Stardog, which I'm right. really excited about seeing the hash from. Mm. Oh, man. There's so many. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good flavors. I don't know. A lot of Karma Genetics. There's some head skull cap. That's like some sour diesel cross with biker kush. Sounds fire. Oh man. That's the other really cool part about like the whole so single many. source thing that we were talking about is it's There's really no awesome end. being able to kind of do it all. Even if you don't exactly know if it's going to work out or not, we know that it's still going to make really good compost at the end of the day. Right. And the hash lab is connected to our garden. So we know that the hash water is going to go to the garden at the end of the day. Like nothing is wasted no matter how you look at it. You know, yeah. and with some of the older, like aged hash that maybe isn't as desirable to the taste buds, we turn into salves, you know, and massage oils and stuff. So it always gets used. So there's definitely no waste. Yeah. Lots of that to go around for sure. Yeah. It sounds like you guys are pretty resourceful. And I mean, obviously that's a good thing. Going back to the seeds, you know, it looks like you guys mostly run everything from seed. Is that... Lately, right yeah, lately. I mean, there's always a few clones hanging out on the side, usually Kush Breath. 
Pi Breath is the clone. So Kush Breath, Pi Breath, we have a CBD. We named Otis for the dog, cured him with it. There was Otis. So those three plus the Culato, the cookie gelato one. Uh, there's that one. Four or five clones, maybe. I mean, out of the other 50 seeds, you know, they kind of don't get really noticed as much, you know. But yeah, they're there for head stash. They're there for, you know, just for simple purposes of know they work, you know. But yeah, I think next year might be a little bit more clone, actually. Okay. You know, after seeing that buddy and hanging out with him, you know, it's like we have another friend that's like great at cloning and I'm not that good at cloning. So we hooked up with him and he's got some killer stuff. And it comes from a good background and everything like seems kosher. So we're going to go with that and we have a lot of good hash. It's hard to wash a lot of these phenos. Some of them just don't want to wash and they're just not that good. So you grow a whole big plant. Sometimes it just ain't worth it or even a little plant that is ain't worth it. And you got to mix it in. It's always some reason, but you know, it's just, uh, yeah, the clone thing might help out and do some like large scale hash runs in that sense. So that'd be good. More experiments. A lot more answers will come from those runs, you know? Yeah. That's good. That's cool. But, you know, at the same time, it's also, like, cool that up until this point, you've just been running stuff for the sake of running it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But yeah. the ones that do work, like, are, yeah. worth, are worth it, probably. Yeah. You know? and, and, you and yeah, I kind of have a... Uh, kind of an idea some of them before they come down what's going to really work or not so but you know when they're vegging no one knows you know so so what makes a good hash plant oh this mm. this small stalks these small small stalks with these fat big heads that just want to fall off and just hang out oh and then also this like sandy texture yeah you gotta have this like dry sand texture that rolls around your fingers just right oh man I mean, you can have these gooey ones that are awesome grease. That's gardener grease stuff. But man, is it hard to work. I mean, it's, it's it, it makes you work for it. And then there's these sandy ones that are real nice that grease up. Oh, and those are just beautiful. We got your golden strawberries that does that. That's from a buddy. And sour D, I don't have, but that one always does it. And yeah, so shit like that. It's, yeah, the sour D I've always heard. Right. Yeah, it's a good, good one, man. Everyone gets like in love with that one. Miss it. What's your favorite strain to run in general? <sighs> that's almost like, I mean, favorite strain is the easiest strain, right? It'd be like that sandier texture. It'd be this golden strawberries we got. It'd be that sour. It'd be that. But that Kush breath is really fucking good, too. I mean, like, smelling the water is like from some of these strains. It's just like, you know, it makes your mouth water. And But then the Kush breath comes out, you know, a lot of it. It's greasy. It's gre- it'll be greasing up fresh out, you know, on that bag, sticking a lot, so it's hard. But I'm not running my whole uh, setup maybe at a constant 30 degrees. Sometimes, you know, days fluctuate. Time, you know, temperature is always different, really. But uh, that cush breath is just hard. It, it just, but it's fun. That's for sure. I've run them all, though. I, I don't know. They're all really good. It's Elmer's glue that we're running. It's fun. We grew a bunch of high breath. Specifically to make hash with. So pie breath. Like this year, yeah, yeah we're going to do a lot of pie breath. Definitely did intentionally grow that. Shout out to Mike, Bay Exclusive. Yeah, great breeding. We've done a lot of their seeds that yeah. have been really good in the past. Yes. Yeah. And so out of 
I guess the two of you, is Brandon the housebreaker or? Definitely. Yeah, <sighs> Have of you, course. Do you, I guess, I get smoke, into it? <laughs> I smoke plenty uh, of uh, it. No, um, when I first met Brandon, uh, I worked with him and he taught me how to work in the hash lab and I washed for him for a little bit of the season. But honestly, with how much is going on on the farm, it is like definitely power couple time in the winter to get everything bucked and trimmed and hashed and back yeah. into the garden for compost. So it would make it makes a lot more sense for us to con- like divide and conquer than it would be for me to be in the hash lab. But yeah. I definitely admire the process and I admire what he does every day because he's in there freezing cold, wet, and you know covered Somewhere. in ice water. So I definitely feel like <laughs> a wise person once said you shouldn't smoke it until you grow it. And I almost feel that way with washing. No, I do feel that way with washing. You shouldn't like smoke it until you have to wash it because once you do, you have like a whole new like admiration for it. I feel like, and you have a lot more respect for the hash makers. Like, give more love to the hash makers because they definitely deserve it. They work really hard. So. Yeah, it's not even easy. more to the grower, for sure. Definitely, they, as a hash maker and a grower, to do it without the grower. I, like, I mean, a lot of these hash but, makers, yeah, I feel I mean, like, try to. It has to be grower <laughs> first. I mean, it, it has. It's coming from somewhere, right? for sure. Yeah. Um, and then there's a lot of hash makers that are blown up because of these good growers, though. That a lot of them, let me say, don't want to come out. And, like, be known, but they're the ones making the dank possible. That's for damn sure. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it all starts yeah. uh, with the farmer. And then and then comes basically the resin collector, um, which <laughs> that's also craft in itself. But For sure. Oh, can't, no. Can't yeah, be without the other. So, yeah. So I agree. I agree on that. Kind of backtracking in it a little bit is... Uh, what was your first experience with hash? That was a. F- I remember like it was yesterday. Want to hear this one? So, I met this dude at a a medicated Mongolian stir fry restaurant. Only one in the country. This was like 2010, 2011, 2012. I think I met him 2011, 2012 time. He had this place open for these two years or something, and only place in the country that served hot medicated food. And I'm telling you, Medicaid, like this month, yo, he would dump on mad hash oil. Like he would infuse hash, trim hash mostly, or larf, little buds, into grapeseed oil or, or um, olive oil or some sort of cooking oil. And he would douse like the, the stir fry in that oil and be like, you know, sauteing it with it. And oh man, it was dank. So I met from this, this guy was owner of this place. I volunteered, helped him out. He taught me how to make hash in the back and also at his house on like the off times, you know, and we were making hash in just simple five gallon buckets. You know, I think we were stirring it with wooden paddles or something. It was simple or maybe even just like a big glove and just like whipped it with by hand. Kind of forgetting that process. He also had a little machine. We had a small little five gallon machine. But there was like two different ways he did it. And then we just like took all the hash, dried it like through a sieve, hand dried it and put it all into, yeah, those edibles or into oil for edibles. And he also did like caramels and, and lollipops and stuff. But man, he was the first one that made, taught me how to make hash when we were doing it in the back. That was the first day it was in the back of the <laughs> restaurant. I was like, this is crazy. Like, is this straight? Like he's like, yeah, yeah, it's straight. Don't worry. Totally was a cool guy. Name was, um, what was his name? 
Oh, maybe you shouldn't even say his name, but yeah, man, I think his name was, um, I can't even remember. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. that sounds good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's funny. So that was like your first experience. And then it not only did you come across it, but like, storefront. you know, how to make it in the back room. But that's, that's fine. And then from that, I guess, point on, how did you start teaching yourself more about it? Um, more product, I, I just grew, you know, like I just didn't want to source it to someone else to make BHO. BHO is not the thing. Like I definitely was like, ah. So after making hash with this guy, figured it out. I was just like, all right, I'm just going to use all my own trim and little buds. Cause you know, I get found, you know, when I li- moved out here, got the culture with some of these cool kids. And I was like, oh, this is just the vibe. Helped them trim. Saw how they were like storing their stuff and doing all that. And I just started storing it the way they kind of, you know, it was good storage. And I kept the good herb and just processed it slowly and surely in a five-gallon bucket, like only five-gallon for the first, like, year or two. And then uh, 20s came around, 20 came around, but it was all just my own homegrown from from the backyard that one year. Nice. Yeah, that was, that was 20, I think I had like, I don't even know, it was like 20 something pounds of trim or something, but it kept me busy for like a month, it felt like. And, and, uh, that was, that was trip. Yeah. Or probably more than a month. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 20 pounds is a. Yeah. It was good. Like, that was the Sour D OG, the 707 headband. That was, and that was like where Full Mount was first coming around. And I had a bunch of little buds and I washed those little buds and I got some melty, melty you know, transparent hash. Like, I was like, wow, this is, like, next level for sure. And that's when Matt Rise was posting, like, you know, the stuff on hash back in the day, and that's, like... A was, tutorial online. Yeah, it was, it was at the same exact time. It was like, wow, I was like, this really makes sense of, like, what this is, and I just kind of learned what he was saying, figured out then that's what mine is, you know? But it was, uh, was kind of like, you know, same time. It was fucking, you can go back on the Instagram. Hella long. It's like, hundreds of weeks it's like what well, i don't even know like they can't i don't even know how many weeks are in a year or whatever but there's it go all the way back in the instagram what year do you, did you start that account do you remember <sighs> had to be the end of, like right when i moved out here it was right when i moved out here in 2000 like the beginning of 2012 yeah yeah, yeah it's funny so i mean obviously i uh, came across you guys through your instagram um stream and I think it might have been connected to Frenchy Cannoli because I had attended one of his first classes and then uh, I kind of would keep up with him when he would do his next ones. And then, like, you'd see, like, the people that would be going to these and then you check out their feed. And so, oh, like, totally, totally, yeah. It, it's kind of funny that that's kind of how I found you guys was through through Frenchy. And, um, you know, Frenchy brings up kind of a funny point that I agree with him is that Hash makers are really more, it's more about, I guess, sieving than extracting, you know, and, but on social media, it's pretty common for people who who are making hash, even uh, bubble hash to be called an extract artist. Yeah. You know, so. Who gave that label? Who knows? (laughs) I I don't know. know. I I just find it kind of interesting and. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. The sieving was like this old traditional sieve they used to sieve like everything i mean they used to sieve the seeds out of like plants and like a bunch of shit it was just old school basket wicker baskets like something that they would make you know maybe different and there was like they would make micron 
that these were the first micron sizes were just like, you know, you could stick your finger through them, your pinky, your thumb, you know, like depends on what seed, I guess, or something. It was great. And it got, or- yeah, grains and all different sizes. And then you get a little tighter and a little tighter, a little tighter, or find a different grass or something. I'm sure it would be pretty out there eventually, but. But yeah, these microns that are catching that these shit. shiny little trichomes are are pretty small. And definitely, you know, <laughs> I guess. Can't believe it. Talking about microns, you're obviously using bags as your primary way of sieving the bubble hash. Can you talk a little bit about yeah. kind of your process and some of the bags you're using? And Yeah, yeah. We're, we're using uh, ice extract bags, the 20-gallon set in... The butte cans, 20-gallon butte cans, and also a 32-gallon butte can. We're pretty much just doing it by hand and with the machines, whatever's necessary, really, and either drying by hand or drying with the freeze dryer. So we have, you know, totally both options. You know, as I learned from nothing was with no machines and no freeze dryer, and then you have to equip to it just to have it. I feel like just to, you know, adapt with the time and no one else could even show me what it was at the time. I had to get my own freeze dryer years ago. So yeah, just kind of change from that to that, but also change from the five gallon to the 20, you know, same thing. But these ice extract bags are like the best bags that I've found. They're really good, accurate micron screens and they're just size just right for them to stack on each other is what they're supposedly shorter. And they only fit the 20 gallon cam. So we, we pretty much wash in like the 31 to expand the volume of washing and then pour into the 20 as I showed you the other day. Yeah. So you and I ran yeah. through some yesterday and I think you were working the Elmer's, Elmer's Blue, Blue. Yep. or two days ago. And yeah, it, it was interesting to see your process and like you said, you go from these bigger ones into the smaller ones. You, you work it in the bigger ones. Yeah. And then- yeah, that pretty much just to help out, you know. I was going to even ask, like, did, you know, you had any questions for that day, right? Like, that was, it all happened. So it happens pretty quick. I can get a few runs done in a day. So. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, I I, I think I, everything. It's pretty simple, that you, that you did, you know? you know. And I mean, like, I'm familiar with the process, but. It's always interesting to see like people do their kind of work, yeah, you know, and, and see their flow for sure. So, you know, I you're still working with the hand agitation, which I, I think is cool. Yeah, um, can you talk a little bit about why you do that instead of using machines? Because you know, you have machines out there that I know you say at times you use for particular reasons, but I think the hand the hand agitation is is more your go to. Right. Yeah, it definitely is because it's a lot more simple, I feel like, and the way it kind of gently knocks off the resin. It's all about that gentle knock of the blades or the paddle on the machine. The way it whips back and forth and like spins the water in the vortex is is great for that. But it when the hash settles down there and it whips, it just throws the hash like right in, you know, un, into the wall and just throws it and kind of bruises the fruit is what I like to call it. Frenchie, you know, explained it really well. And you kind of can notice it, I feel like. So as, as a connoisseur, like, type of notice it, you know. So I knock, I do it with the hand because, like, here we are as, like, the hash falls all to the bottom of the trash can. And I'm up the top three quarters of it at most. You know, I only work in that area. And I never go to the bottom, but I'm always working it. So it's fallen downwards. And I'm never bruising the resin down there 
it just seems like simple and kind of genius, you know, when it comes right. down to it. And then you can take your material after you gently knock it off and work it, it through the machines. You know, I like doing that. That's where the machines come into play for me. I really don't ever run it first through the machine. It's not anymore, you know, after what it all kind of made sense to my brain like that. But, yeah. And then after your hand agitation, I know sometimes you go with the freeze dryer and sometimes you're, you're doing you know, right. hand drying or natural drying. Right. Yeah. All depends on like what the material kind of feels like, you know, if it's that sandy texture, it'll be a lot easier to dry by hand. If it's the OGKB, that grease, that garden grease, it's doable, but man, is it hard. So the freeze dryer, that's where that helps nowadays. And I want to do more by hand, but seems like no one really wants it as much because it comes out a little bit darker. So as like a connoisseur and other hash makers, love it. Easy. You know, everyone picks that one most of the time. But then when it's for the masses, it's the freeze dryer, you know. They want it white as white can be, so. Yeah, I think that's kind of like the. This is the hype stuff. The big trend. And I mean, (coughs) I've heard a few people mention like that they feel at times people are like bringing plants down early. Yeah. On purpose to impart, give. You know, hash that, that yeah. look or that feel. We'd have people admit it to us. Yeah, <laughs> They're like, yeah. Something. And I was like, damn, that's just messed up. But, you know, yeah. can't rat on them. I'm not going to say any names. I mean. It does happen, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm sure it does. So it's funny because, you know, Frenchie's name has come up a few times. And, you know, he's doing his classes. And I, I think he continues that pretty often. And I know this year. You started doing a few lessons here and, you know, like I said the other day, I got to hang out with you a little and kind of see you go through your process. And so, you know, how has that changed, I guess, how you look at at hash at all now that you're you're also like teaching other people how to how to do that? And then, you know, talk a little bit also about where you learned some more of your techniques, because I know you've mentioned to me a few times about kind of a local old timer that yeah that dude from before the that owned that restaurant yeah no um the skill came from him and and Frenchie and just time you know trial and error for sure where most of it always comes from took two of Frenchie's classes you know the second one was definitely he's repeating you know the classes but I was there to kind of like hang out with him show him what I learned from the first time and Brought him some full spectrum, full melt, which was some of my bombest hash at the time. It was like really good. And then, um, what was the first part of that? Uh, was like the remind me, just <laughs> like you now doing classes. Oh, me doing class, right, right. So, um, how does that kind of like change your your perspective on for? Oh yeah, no, I think I want to. I, I think I take you know what people are doing. Like I learned from this old guy. I learned from Frenchie, and. I want to make it simple for people. Like, it, you know, people can think it's a really complex thing because they don't want to do it. Like, oh, my God, this thing is crazy. How do you make cash like that? And it's very simple, you know, and that's what I want to make this class about. Like, it's really getting the fear out of people and, like, explaining how to do it and showing them and just simplifying it, you know. Just make sure you put the money where it needs to be into the bags because the bags are the most important tool, and then simply just like 
look at this, you know, the source of your water, this or that, whether we're luckily to have good well water here or wherever it may be, just source your water good and get a good work area, you know, like I have. And just kind of like once you have those key things, you know, then it's like, all right, good material. Where does the material come from? Are you using two-year-old trim? Well, no, you put shit in, you get shit out. So that's all. And then I started showing people, look, here's good bud. You know, this is what we're doing, bud, that you would be like, I need to trim this and make this pound. I need to not trim this. I need to just put this right into the freezer and and then wash it the next day. You know, that's it's a different mindset because it makes the best hash. And that's simply just all it is. It's just and then knowing what good bud makes good hash. I guess that's the next thing is like I'm teaching people what Frenchie is teaching as well. So this is going now bigger and wider to teach people what good resin looks like and that feeling and that texture and then and how you know and stuff. So and then strains and parents and like genetics and kind of following these ancestors of like the Afghani and 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 Kushes and stuff and kind of getting those into your picking of what you're going to choose to wash. You know, we're sitting in front of Cherry Kush. We got some of these other, you know, just good Kushes, you know, like, uh, you know, just stuff like that. Frosted cherry cookies, the Elmer's glue, golden strawberries. That's what strawberry, banana, kosher kush. That's why it's so good. Those are two amazing hash plants, you know. So stuff like that, you know. I want people to know that, and it just makes it more simple. And they're like, oh, I thought just anything could wash, you know. Right. That's eye-opener. Once you start hearing it, you know, and I could prove it to you type of thing. That's cool. How many people would you say overall? We've had, what, like 13 or 14 in that one class? I think total probably like 20 or and 25 then 25, because in the second class we had like 8 or 9. I was going to say probably one of the best parts of seeing people like click with it and be inspired is less other extracts happening. People making bubble hash out of their product, which I think is a much cleaner and better medicine right. than anything else out on the market. So I really, it's awesome seeing more people wanting to wash and use their material for that. Because as I was talking about earlier, it all goes back into your garden, which is really awesome. Yeah. None of it's wasted, which is really cool. It doesn't have like I toxic chemicals definitely was like preaching that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Uh, I, I think that it's, it's good to see people, you know, kind of maybe getting away from the BHOs and, mm-hmm. you know, it's not necessarily because I have anything against BHO, but it's just, I think they've been around for so little that in the long run, who knows what's actually happening right? Uh, with those, with those types of extracts. And so, you know, with water, as long, I think as you're dealing with the moisture properly, you know, it yeah. definitely is, is you know, the, uh, the healthiest outside of, I guess, just like a dry sift, which. Right. That, that's top notch for sure. You know, speaking of that, do you guys have any preference when it comes to, you know, what you're smoking yourselves when it comes and, you know, to either being water hash or, I mean, bubble hash or you well, guys that do any rosin? Um, yeah. And the Dry sift. I think uh, dry sift is the best. It's just so hard to get and so hard to make, you know. I honestly rather buy it for the $100 a gram if I could find it because I know how hard it is to make. But, man, like, it's so good. It tastes different when the water doesn't have to touch it and dry off of it. It's very – if you can get same strain side by side, it's wild. I mean, I uh, guess it's really, like, 
the absolute most natural way to be able to just get the resin off the yeah. planet. Yeah. And I mean, it's funny that you bring heads. that up because like, you know, I haven't been able to be anywhere to get any from Cuban in a couple of years, but yeah. I know he does like the 99% and <clears throat> they're really good. And yeah, the last time I think they were about 120 and, you know, I, I think it's probably worth that amount of work that they're having to put into to get that result. For know? sure. Yeah. It's a it's a hard thing to do. I think it's harder to make than to grow. I mean, the grow is to grow at that point. It only stays right there. But to make it 99% heads, mad credit. I tried. I've got very close. Not 99. I was happily, like okay with like 80 you know i was like i'm done this looks the same at this point i can't tell the difference i'm I can't down. look at this any longer I, I got tunnel vision I, I got tunnel vision for real and i think i even like you know shouted out like uh, cuban grower and cuban hash queen it's like you know y'all y'all got it like good shit yeah like, they're they're cool credit. i mean uh, you know only met them in passing but uh, every time i see cuban it's usually at the cup and I, i'll you know, just say what up to him and throw him a gram or something or some hash, and he's down with the cause. You know, he's a good dude. So, well, that's something kind of cool that's like I've been talking to you guys over the last few days about is like going to events like the Emerald Cup, which you guys are going this year as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's like you guys, you know, know some people there, and you get to see them, and then as farmers and then hash makers as well, you're able to kind of share and trade with a lot of people that are, you know, doing the same thing or, or similar. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I feel like we leave super inspired and just excited for what we're doing, excited to be part of such an awesome movement. It's really cool. Emerald Cup in general are definitely gearing more towards regenerative like agriculture. So it's awesome seeing that on such a large scale somewhere being celebrated so largely. And they're not even giving out an award to people. So it's really cool. We've gotten to meet some really awesome people through that Lion Paw Organics. He, we met him yeah. after that, and Spencer. huge inspiration. He's good doing man. a lot of really good things with his garden as well. Definitely, and yeah. Everybody that's come through and like been a part of that award has been really amazing. And they even set up a, a rage like lounge, which had like awesome classes last year and. They do a bunch of really great stuff, showing different um, diverse composts and <clears throat> rainwater catchment systems and stuff like that. It's really cool. Yeah, the Emerald Cup is cool. I mean, because it it has like a bunch of different facets, but the you know kind of educational yeah. side is is pretty well done. Like, you know, they have good speakers and yeah, it's so, really get to nerd out about all the things that we love with people that we love. It's like a big family reunion. Yeah. So. It's and cool. then you get, like you said, you get to meet new people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, see what they're up to and trade seeds. That's been, that was a huge exciting part of it last year. Lots we got to meet of some trades. really cool pe- breeders. That Gifts. was, like I said, just leaving really inspired to grow more stuff. You know, just more plant more seeds. Would you call it a trade if you're already ready to give someone and they gift you back? It's just two <laughs> gifts, or is it a trade? Like it wasn't even like, oh, I gotta have that to have that. So I think it was just gifts. It's a gift. It was yeah. a mad gift. It's a gift that turns into a yeah. trade. 
it was like, well worth every bit of the gift for the gift, though. Exactly. No, that's cool, though. Yeah. I was just thinking that. Yeah, it's a lot of that family <laughs> reunion, like bringing it together and just seeing yeah. everyone. And, and then, like, back back in the day, let's talk about back in the day, Emerald Cup was, you know, in a small little shack where there was only a handful of people, like, kind of, you know, well, handful of people compared to today. The Area 101. Yeah, location. and, like, that was, like, that was where everyone yeah, got together and like shared a mad good time because they were busy as hell doing everything. And this is really cool. That's just what it is still today. I was going to say That's sharing what... everybody's harvest and trying everybody's smoke, <clears throat> especially in the dragonfly TP, because you know, it's all clean medicine. Yeah. That is probably like one of the best parts too, because mm. you can't, I don't know. You always have to question where it comes from, obviously. And know the farmer, of course, is super important. So it's awesome seeing all these like-minded practices and everybody's harvest coming together to try. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, they're obviously one of like the the leaders in that kind of regenerative, I think, mindset. Um, oh, dragonfly. Yeah, yeah for totally. sure. And so I think that would probably even be the most adequate place for for that all to be happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> would be at the TP. Totally. So that's cool. Well. Yeah, I, you know, really appreciate you guys coming on. And I'll just have a few random questions before we're done. To both of you, if you had to pick a favorite strain, just one that you have to stay with forever, oh. and, and, and that's it, what would it be? You go first. Hold on. That's hard. I have, like, a daytime and a nighttime <laughs> thing. There's, like, a before 3 p.m. and after 3 p.m. Damn. Oh man! How can you choose that? If I had I to know, choose, it's, it's hard. How can you choose that? That's so hard. Forever. Like, it's really hard. Man. That's like like dayquil or nightquil. Like I mean, like which way do you want to be the rest of your life? Because like, I'm do picking. I I'm, sleep good or do I'm, I want to function? I'm going good? either. You know, it's it's a real strong old school like haze, like a 16 week haze, or it's like a really earthy OGKB Kush breath. And like, I mean, so it's going, it's going I, one way or the other. It's one way or the other for me. That's how it should be. I mean, like, it didn't have to get so complex all these years. It makes it very hard. But <laughs> you're just dare. Ah, uh, <laughs> man. I mean, I'm smoking on Kush breath daily all the time. So I guess I got to say Kush breath. Kush but breath I want to say haze at the same time because I don't ever have haze. <laughs> so if anyone's got haze out there, listen, I need haze. So you need to you need to throw together that that pie breath with a 16 week old uh, Some, something. I don't need. Oh, man, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. Cush breath, then. Let's say cush breath with the blood pressure. Yeah. The NyQuil. Yeah. Got to sleep good. And Amanda? And Amanda. I think that I have not met her yet. <laughs> I've decided. Yeah. Very true. I feel like I haven't met her yet. I don't I like think that, that I have found, yeah, my one true love. Because they're all, like, a true love. They're all, like, you know, You can't be saying that. you got to pick for now, though. I know, but... Don't put me in that car and you can't pick. You can have them all. <laughs> Come on, people want to know. No, it just doesn't work. She yeah, picks I Blue mean, Dream. She wants Jaeger or Blue no. Dream. Blue Dream. <laughs> no. It's, we had a great, she loved Cherry Masoot last year. I'll say Cherry Masoot was like her favorite I've seen. I almost want to say Animal Cookies, honestly. Yeah, I think. Cookie that, fan. Yeah, too. I really like the Animal Cookies. Big cookie. But fan. I just don't know about forever. 
Yeah. You know, no, like that's, that's a really the hard part term. of the question. Yeah. It's so like, it's like, it's hard. Oh, it's, it's like, yeah, I do. I, I do like those ones, but there's you're a like, lot of really good stuff. Like, it's cherry kush. Time. I haven't smoked that flower, but that's, that I'm sure that'd be fire. The Tropicana so cookies. Tropicana cookies. That one's really good too. There's so many good flavors. Oh my gosh. Like I can't yeah, even it's hard. dive into it. And that's it part all. of the fun in a way. Uh, I know, I like the question, but yeah, I don't know if I have met her yet. It's uh it's kind of an endless thing with with all the plants. It's it's funny how like every single one of them can bring something different to the table. Yeah, it's a different color, the rainbow almost. Taste buds, mm-hmm. like why it's, it's crazy. You know, so obviously it's not like one main thing like THC or, And I haven't smoked enough of them myself. I mean I need to try them all. I can't try them all. Yeah, there's there's an endless uh, amount, and it seems like there's a ton more out every day, you know? Yeah. So I don't know if we'll ever be <laughs> yeah. able to keep up. Right. But, You're right. You know, it'll be interesting to see if the genetics get too kind of bottlenecked at some point. Right. Or yeah. not, you know? and It almost is, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I feel like with a lot of the cookie stuff. And that's what I was like when we were talking about breeding earlier. That's exactly why I said like we're such amateurs when it comes to that because we're taking people's projects that they've already worked on for so long and then adding like our own flavors that we enjoy, you know, back to each other. But like that's why I have mad respect for Bodhi Seeds because he really takes those like original land races and crosses them and like makes his own thing. And so it's really cool seeing more of that stuff. And we actually just recently were gifted a bunch of land races so oh, yeah. it'll be really exciting to maybe maybe my one true favorite plant will come from something like that, our own project that we could work with for a while. Definitely. In due time, it'll happen. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, Bodhi does put out a lot of interesting stuff that, you know, obviously he's probably worked yeah. for a long time. And it's stuff that nobody else is really it's putting out. Wild know? males. Yeah. It's these wild males. He hit it with cookies. That's what the field trip was, you know. And, a big old sexy plant. I mean, some cool stuff to be to be messed with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he's uh, he has a bunch of hash plants that that seem interesting. You know, I don't obviously tons, tons. Yeah, yeah. So, we grew a guava wookie from him this year. I haven't smoked it yet, but I'm excited for that one. That was a really cool plant. Yeah, it's well. funny. I I remember that particular one on Instagram, and it 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 looks real purple but like super you know frosty at the same time yeah yeah it was wild kind of a guava smell Mm -hmm, definitely yeah guava seems to be a a kind of popular popular flavor right now but uh anyways yeah so thanks again I, i appreciate you guys being on the show again brandon you can follow on instagram at at kushkirk and you can follow Amanda at Amanda Reed W. And all right, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. One love. Thank you for listening to the Hashish Inn. If you'd like the podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review. Until next time.